Yeah, I pressed. Yeah, record. we're recording. I need I need obvious signals here, girl. I'm not that. <laughs> <laughs> Press record. <laughs> You're only 49 seconds behind. Okay, good. Well, story of my life. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, did you do you feel like? all the drag queens have like disappeared now that RuPaul's drag race is over. Like I literally don't see any Twitter tea or drama or like, I just don't see them tweeting at all. You know, I think it might be like algorithms and shit because I noticed almost immediately after drag race ended, like the um, drag race hashtag, like significantly slowed down for everybody. Huh. So it's like, the socials aren't pushing it to the forefront because it's not like the popular shiny thing right now. That's just my theory. I don't know. It's very upsetting because even though we're not like recapping Drag Race, like I still am trying to look for the the drama for for all of you listeners. You have to like go on YouTube and just watch all of the casting tea drama tea. videos. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love those. Those some of those have spoilers though, so you have to be like careful. Yeah, be careful. Oh, I, know. I almost clicked on All Stars Five the other day. Oh shit! Like spoilers. They're like actually Adore Delano wins, and you're like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> Girl, those drama videos can be intense, though. Like, I stumbled into a James Charles drama video because I guess he, like, put out his first video since, like, after all that stuff happened. Uh-oh. And so they were like, uh, like, we want to see, like, a, like, more humble, like, calm James Charles. And they were, like, saying that he's not humble because he put out a video and he said he lost, like, he was losing subscribers or whatever. And he was okay with it. He's like, whatever. Those are the people that just were there for the drama. Like, I just want the people here that are, like, supportive of and like loving or whatever and they were like it's tea he's not humble after all and i'm like girl i feel like you're just reaching <laughs> yeah i don't know i'm sure he feels a way about losing the followers but he's not gonna come out and say that he's got to save face right well also if they were just here for the drama wouldn't they subscribe instead of unsubscribing <laughs> well because he didn't do a drama video he was just doing like a normal video so that was like not interesting i guess Oh, like he lost more followers after he released a new video? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And so I'm like, this is like really a video about nothing because honestly, like when we put out podcasts and we don't see like all the people listening that normally listen, I'm like, oh my God, everybody hates us. What the hell is going on? So I think to <laughs> me, that's like how I interpreted his like statements about losing subscribers. It's like, you know, all this crap happened. He's trying to make his comeback. He put out like a video he's really proud of and worked hard on. And then like he lost some subscribers. So like, I really think it's not a big deal at all. No. I, I wouldn't know. lose any sleep over it. Yeah, me either, girl. People gotta make their videos, though, so they will really just scratch the bottom of the barrel for any drama. Right. Stupid. Anyways, why don't we get into the show? Enough about drama. Let's <laughs> get into... Conflama. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm the next T-Pain. <laughs> We've gotten really rusty since Drag Race ended. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for coming. Hey, girl. Thanks for coming. Oh, Hello, and thanks for coming, America. My name is Seth. What is yours? Hello, it's Jamal. 
Hello, it's Stony. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Thanks for Coming, the most magically gay podcast. We are just out of Pride Month, so I hope you guys all got, you know, you got all the glitter thrown on you. Make sure you guys <laughs> passed out on the side of a street with a Smirnoff ice in your hands and <laughs> <laughs> woke up with a strange twink in your bed. Ooh. So... <laughs> Hopefully you guys did Pride right. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our Stonewall podcast last week. We were trying to give you like the the meaningful deep cuts of um of Pride episodes. Yeah, I think that we had to touch on that. It wasn't like a bandwagon topic. I think there's a heavy emphasis on acknowledging history in the beginning, so of course we had to talk about that. Yeah, because there's still so many countries and other places and even in the United States where we're still fighting for our rights. If you guys have been paying attention to our Twitter and Instagram, Jamal was kind of trying to tell you guys about this really cool podcast. They're called Queer City Podcast and they are from Nigeria. They're a podcast all about LGBT topics and for them it's a lot more, um, I guess you would say, uh, risky to do a podcast on that topic. Mm-hmm. You know, all of us, we kind of take advantage or maybe, you know, or we take uh, we take it for granted that we get to do yeah. this podcast and we can put pictures of us, like of stuff we're doing, trips we're taking and all that sort of stuff like on social media. But for them, it's not that way. Mm-hmm. It's a really, um, I like the podcast. They reached out a while back and we kind of chatted under each other's captions and photos and whatnot. But um, I like their episodes because they're really short. Uh, they touch on a lot of good local topics. Uh, it's criminalized for them to be out and queer in their country. And, you know, four countries over, you've got Sudan with all of that madness that was going on and just all the horrific violence that's going on. There's just so much to deal with. So hearing that perspective from um, a person of color from Nigeria and Africa, it's just really interesting and it's always cool to learn about other people and what they're going through too. Yeah, for sure. It's really interesting. So I would really suggest that you guys all go over there and subscribe to their podcast. We will um, make sure to put a link to their podcast in our notes of of this thing that you're listening to right now. (laughs) Yeah, look down there. (laughs) Yeah, girl. (laughs) Um, We'll also make sure to tweet out a link of theirs too. So you can find them really easily. And I think it would be really worthwhile, especially for those of you with your privilege to maybe take a listen to some people that aren't as fortunate and maybe understand their perspective and learn uh, what we're really fighting for here in this world. That's right. Stay humble, y'all. Yes. Also, in fun podcast news, uh, one of our podcast listeners and friend to the podcast came to visit from Toronto. I think that's how you say it. You don't say the T, right? Is it Toronto? That's what I heard. I'm not going to butcher it, though. (laughs) Well, hopefully I'm hip and with it with the kids and stuff. And I said it right. So, oh. Shout out Uh to the Popo. They're coming, you guys. This podcast is actually over. BRB. They found us. It must be Cheryl Johnson again. Yeah, probably. She wanted to guest on the show, but this is the only way (laughs) that she could get on. (laughs) 
<laughs> Talk about making an entrance. For real. But yeah, so tell us about um, your visit with Nikki, Nicole. Yeah, so I've been with my new company um, for going on seven months, and she works in our Canadian canadian canada office <laughs> oh canada <laughs> our home. oh so sorry <laughs> no i promise i can speak our canada office so um our friends from the new jersey office also came so i helped organize a lot of that and it was finally nice to put a face to the name because i put in my welcome intro when i got hired that i had a podcast and she was one of the few people who reached out and it's like oh what's your show about and of course we went down the drag race rabbit hole <laughs> yeah so um it was really cool to go to lunch and hang out the whole team is really cool like every person in the company that i've met it's just it's just so weird how nice and chill everybody is so it was a great time getting to hang out with her yeah very cool yeah i'm very jealous that you got to meet her because um when i was going to italy and france she gave me a lot of good tips because she is actually from italy and mm-hmm. um, I forget the town that she's from, but I remember it's just south of Venice in Italy, I believe. Okay. So yeah, so she told me uh, like things to that would be good to do, like about happy hour and free salami. And <laughs> <laughs> she told she was the one that told me that I should be trying the spritz Aperol that now Stony and Jamal are like big fans of. I guess yeah, that drink's great. Yeah, I guess that's like a popular summer drink when it's warm for the uh, people of Italy to drink. So appropriate. And she will be back in Italy in July because she is getting married. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you can find her tagged on our Instagram feeds, but you'll have to check out her Instagram to check out the wedding. I'm sure that's going to be cool over in Italy. Yeah, girl. I'm anxiously awaiting those. Yes, queen. Work. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and get into the show? We have a special one for you today, and I'll tell you what it's about after we get back. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys. Welcome back to the Honest Tea Spill of the Week. And with this Honest Tea, we are starting a nice little series about coming out. So what we're going to do is we are going to spend one episode talking about each host of this podcast and their coming out experience to kind of get you guys... um, you know, show different experiences in the queer community with people from different backgrounds and different race and also kind of helps you get to know us a little bit too. I mean, you guys hear our voices and maybe see our pictures when I'm feeling confident, but <laughs> <laughs> but now you guys can get a little chance to like know where we came from and stuff like that. So this first inaugural episode from the series is going to be all about Stony. So yes. Stony. Tell us about your life. It's all about me all the time. I love it. (laughs) Spotlight. Spotlight. Yeah, girl. All right. So four scores and seven years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Our forefathers. (laughs) Created me. In fierce wigs. Yes, queens. (laughs) Um, No, but so I guess to be serious, um, before like I tell you the actual like coming out story itself I can kind of tell everyone about my childhood how I grew up and just kind of how I got to the point of where I could come out so 
I'm sure you might have heard on the podcast before, but I grew up kind of in a very rural area in southern Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, so not really a lot going on there. Just a lot of uh, corn cornfields. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I grew up on a farm, actually a horse farm. So I was, as a kid, I was always like doing stuff outside. Um, I actually helped my parents like break horses. Um, Whoa. I would clean stalls, do basically all the fun farm stuff. Tell the people what breaking means. Yeah, I thought if it wasn't Baroque, don't fix it. (laughs) (laughs) So breaking horses is basically like... If a horse has never been, uh, I don't even know how to say it without saying broke, but if you want to ride a horse and they've never been ridden before, you have to like get them used to the saddle and used to people being Mm -hmm. on the horse's back. So it's basically just training them so that you can ride the horse. That makes sense. Um, So usually like if they're around like two years old, that's when you would start kind of like doing all of that. So my parents would always put me and my brother on the horse because we were like smaller so we could like fall off and it's fine. If you got hurt, (laughs) they didn't really care. Yeah. It was just like, oh, well, you're young. So like your bones will grow back. Oh, your bones are pretty brittle. (laughs) Let's get you up there. (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i don't know that's kind of just my background as far as like where i grew up but um you know when i was a kid i you know obviously being a smaller town it's a very small school as well i think like in my graduating high school class we had like 120 or something wow but anyway like growing up i guess the earliest i can remember being like somewhat different or having different feelings is probably like second or third grade Cause I think that's whenever I like noticed I felt a way about like certain boys or something, but I really wasn't like sure. Oh. Um, and then it kind of like progressed, you know, like once you hit like middle school, then you start going through like puberty, obviously. And you're right. like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't know. Like I was always like the type that, I never felt like I didn't have friends and I really wasn't bullied per se. Um, You know, like once middle school started, that's when I started to notice that I was definitely different and that I wasn't like straight. Like I started having feelings towards other boys and I knew what it was. Like Mm. I knew that it wasn't right just based off of... And when I say right, like it wasn't normal, like what everybody else was just based off like, you know, just talking to other kids, like stuff you see on TV, like messages from your parents, right? like those subtle messages. Mm. Um, So I think that's the part that I starting in middle school, like I'm the type that if I become like stressed or unsure about something, I tend to like internalize a little bit more. So like in middle school and high school, that's where I say I really wasn't like bullied or anything but like I remember like having friends kind of not at a deep level like kind of they're more acquaintances and things like that yeah you kept them at arm's length yeah I kind of like kept them at arm's length like I remember being invited to like parties and stuff and I would not go because I just didn't want to put myself in those situations because they just felt so uncomfortable like you'd be pressured to like maybe like make out with a girl or like whatever seven minutes in heaven yeah and like you know because in middle school you know when you're hanging out with the other 
straight boys, they're talking about, oh, this chick is so hot or like, you know, it's like a contest to whoever can have sex first and that all that stuff. So you're Mm -hmm. like, it made me like super uncomfortable and it just wasn't like something that I really wanted to be around. So I kind of just forced myself to fit in. Like I I would hang out like the group that I would hang out with. I was I wouldn't say we were like the outcast. It was more just like it wasn't the mainstream group, but it was kind of like just the the fringes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I um yeah, and just growing up back then the word fag was used a lot like openly and like i just remember like a lot of the straight guys would say that all the time or you would even say like if something was stupid they would say that's so gay you know like that was like the frequent term and i think during that time i just like i really i don't think i realized back then but now looking back i think i realized how much i internalized that and like kind of shut down Mm -hmm. because i was just like i don't really want to like be in this situation anymore right or you don't want to be like the bad thing like if everyone's like oh that's so gay like in a negative way then that sort Mm -hmm. of like leaves an impact on you because you're like oh well i don't want to be gay i don't want to be the bad thing right and you don't want to draw any attention on you at all (laughs) right and i think that you know so i kind of like became more of like a it was one of those things like outside of school i was more of like a loner so i like turned to like things you know you've heard me talk about on the podcast before how i love reality tv like i would do stuff like that like you know watch like my favorite shows and like obsess about them and then like once we eventually got the internet i think i was maybe in eighth grade or something when we got the internet yeah Uh, they got that late in southern indiana yeah (laughs) i started going that's when i started like going online to like all the like reality tv like uh message boards and like basically just like i basically created my own like community online yeah oh my goodness (laughs) he was like the Um, first mark zuckerberg you were one of the early social meds queens yeah, I was. I used to go to the website. It's called SurvivorSucks.com. <laughs> <laughs> but like looking back now, like it's that's what I was doing in my spare time because I didn't really like have a close friend group. So that was like kind of my like little escape. My little escape. Um, and I wouldn't say like, and just kind of like to talk more about just my home life. I didn't ever feel like. I never felt like I was, I don't know, tar- cast out or cast out or targeted by anyone. Like I remember and a lot of gay people have stories like this, but like I remember growing up like if there was a gay character on TV, like my dad being like, "Oh, annoyed and like switching the channel or um making comments about gay people." I remember when Ellen came out, like that was really big in the 90s. Like I remember my dad being like super annoyed with it. Oh my gosh. And- or basically being like gross or something. So there was that. My brother, he was very, we got along fine, but there were some moments like towards like high school where I think he must have caught on that I was gay or something because, well, I guess first of all, like back in the Napster days, I was like downloading like hardcore porn. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't doing that yet. (laughs) Yes, mother. Yes. It's hard to watch porn on dial-up, just FYI. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Catch uh, Stone in his room. Since you've been gone. 
<laughs> I can't yeah, girl. breathe for the first time. <laughs> I was downloading like basically the Kelly Clarkson discography <laughs> and like all the Britney Spears. And I'm Christina. having like lime wire flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I remember my brother being like, he was like, why do you listen to that? Like, that's so gay. And I'm just like, get out of my life, bitch. Like, <laughs> I, I like sucking dick. Get out of my face. <laughs> uh, so that was annoying. And then it was like kind of in high school. At a certain point in high school, I do remember being like, I need to get the hell out of here because I was just over it at that point. But my brother, I remember this had to have been like my sophomore year, like so my sophomore year of high school, like my brother's four years older than me. So he was like kind of out of high school, like in his little party phase or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he came home late one night and sometimes he would like come into my room and he would just talk to me or something. And one night he like came into my room and he was dating this girl that was like really religious at the time. And he started talking about the Bible and like what the hell it's like 3 a.m he's like let me talk to you about jesus <laughs> yeah and he basically told me he told me at like whatever time it was in the middle of the night basically that gays are going to hell you know that right and i was just like <laughs> laying in bed like oh my gosh what the fuck like i i didn't even know what to say i was like i think i told him well i don't believe everything that's in the bible is what i told him but i was like that like traumatized me for a while. <laughs> I mean, understandably. Like, <laughs> because I was just like, I, and I remember being so like, I mean, it's funny. It is funny now, but like back then I remember like not like I was struggling with that. Like, because I was like, I don't want to be gay. Like, and you know, I remember being like super depressed. I remember crying about it mm-hmm. and I was like, doing a lot of journaling about it too, just because I was like, I had to like let it out somehow. Yeah. Um, Lots of live journal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Live journal. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, So that was like somewhat depressing. (laughs) I'd have been like, get out of my room, children of the corn. (laughs) I just imagined like, you're like fast asleep. And then like you hear this door creak. It's like, you know, all gays are going to hell, right? Like, oh my god <laughs> get out of here demon well and it, honestly it just made no goddamn sense like because if you knew my brother he's not like religious no he's so not. it didn't it i think it was just because he was dating like some side hoe at the time and she was into jesus so she's probably <laughs> putting it down well yeah he was trying to address to impress yeah, so I don't know. So that whole like thing like fucked me up for a while. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Understandably so because I mean society like shapes so much of what we think we're supposed to aspire to be. And that's, you know, one of the things if you're not a religious person or at least spiritual, people kind of naturally give you the side eye. Not more so today, but back then for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I don't like so I've not really told like a whole lot of people this, but like there was a time like this was like in between high school and community college. But during that time, I think I kind of that was probably the darkest I'd ever been Mm -hmm. in my life because I'm not saying I had like suicidal thoughts, but I would be lying if I I would be lying if I didn't say like there were times when I was driving home from work and I thought, what if I just like 
you know, drove the car off into this ditch. Like I never yeah. would have done it, but like that was the thought had crossed my mind. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So definitely that wasn't like a good part of my life at yeah, that point. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> what kind of um kind of uh brought you out of the darkness or was it a slow process? I mean, it was a slow process, but the thing is like with me, I'm, I tend to be an optimistic person. So what kept me going was just the thought of there being hope. Like I knew that if I could get through the next couple years that I would be going to college, I had plans to like, basically my thought was I just need to get the hell out of here. So I want to go to like IU mm-hmm. and like get an education and just like get the fuck out of where I was at the time. And um, Bloomington listeners is this nice little liberal pocket in all of Indiana. It's like a lovely place. Yeah. <laughs> There are other colleges in Indiana that aren't that way. Right. And I, yeah. And I remember like even in high school, I was like getting on my Netscape browser. And, Netscape. Like, looking, oh my God. <laughs> looking up Bloomington. Whoa. And I was, remember like going to like Bloomington's website and they had a section about like the LGBT community. And I just remember reading it and being so fascinated. I was like, oh my God, like they like allow you to like be yourself here. <laughs> That's so like, this cool. is great. I know I was I will remember like not to take over your story, but I remember when I was, you know, a senior and like getting ready to go to college that one of my classmates, um, I said, well, you know, I was like, you know, I'm going to like Indiana University. Like, I'm really excited. It's like this big 10, like this big school, blah, 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 blah. It's out of Virginia. I did not want to go to college in Virginia, but that's another story. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so so I was excited. And then uh, one of the other classmates, he got into Purdue and he was like, oh, yeah, Purdue's like such a much better school and blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, you know, Indiana University is where the gays go to school. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what and i was like whoa you're like okay i'm in <laughs> and i'm there honey <laughs> yeah for sure because i didn't plan that shit and that was a lovely surprise <laughs> yeah. but yeah that's awesome because i actually did work study at that lgbt center on campus oh cool yeah i yes, love working there so yeah so after graduation so kind of just a fast forward i was basically just you know living my survivor sucks life during that time. <laughs> uh, I um, went to my first three years of college. I went to a community college and like commuted back and forth. So during that time, I was basically just kind of, I was kind of getting out of my depression a little bit because I had a little more of uh, freedom and I had a little bit like I wasn't just stuck in, you know, my like hometown. So mm-hmm. One story that I do want to mention is, so around that time was up to that point, I never really had any like relationship, obviously, because there aren't any open gay people out. <laughs> um, so I, I had discovered like some of the online sites mm-hmm. and I found like, like basically like somebody to like meet in Vincennes, which is the town I went to school at. Oh. Um, and I remember just being like, it was basically just like a bad hookup, but it was just like not like cute, basically. Uh-oh. <laughs> it was like one of those undercover like things where it's like 
I don't want anybody to see me, that type of thing. Yeah. And I remember that there was this other guy that I was like chatting with and I, up to that point, I did not have a cell phone. So like in order to talk to this person, I went and bought like a go phone from like Walmart or something. Yeah. You got a burner. <laughs> yeah. <a> burner. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause it was like hard back then to get a phone because yeah. like, you, I don't know. And it would be better just... for your parents to think you're a drug dealer than a homosexual. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Right. And plus, not everybody back then had phones, so it was kind of, like, weird. Like, you were, like, extra special, at least in southern Indiana, to have, like, a cell phone. Right. But I uh, remember I got the phone, and I was, like, on the back porch, and I was, like, going to, like, talk to this person. And my brother, like, comes home, and he sees me on the back porch, and he wants to see my phone. He's, He's like, oh, you got a phone? Uh Can I see it? And he took Uh. it. He took it from me. And I was getting so mad. And I like was like hitting him like to get my phone back because I was like, I don't like I was freaking out because I didn't want him to like see the phone or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, girl. So, yeah, that was like a traumatizing experience. as well. (laughs) Yeah. So I knocked him unconscious, dragged him into the water and left him there. (laughs) No shit. I left him in the garage. (laughs) My brother's been messing ever since. Girl, that's the worst. It's just like ah, uh, invasion of privacy, and For like real. there's so much going through your head. Yeah, in that moment. Yeah, so that was annoying. But thankfully, after my two years at the commuter college, I ended up applying to IU and I got in. Yes, so, welcome. Yes, queen. Uh, so that was in 2006. So I went to I or I started at IU in the fall of 2006. I was actually so funny story about this. I was actually going to live in one of the dorms that Jamal lived in that same fall. And what happened was I decided against living there because I knew a couple of people from Vincent's that were also going to IU. So I decided to live with them instead like off campus so you could have been an igatraz yeah girl you could have had your broke back mountain (laughs) yeah too bad i just can't (laughs) quit you jamal (laughs) oh my goodness could you imagine (laughs) and the igaman cafeteria (laughs) c-store romantic dates down there girl no (laughs) basement um (laughs) Oh, and also fun fact before I go into IU is that I met our friend Nick of the podcast when I was going to Vincent. So I worked with him at a grocery store back home. And that's when I first started hanging out with Nick. I thought he was going to turn out to be the guy that you were discreetly hooking up with. So this story took a (laughs) twist. Plot twist. I was like, sorry, this is some CSI shit. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been a story. (laughs) Um, Well, that's cool. Yeah. Heterosexual consultant Nick. Yeah. So I wanted to mention that because once I got to IU, so my original plan was I was thinking up to like, you know, run outside and just be like, I'm gay. And like, you know, that was how it was in my head. Like, Oh, I'm just going to be out to everyone. Yeah. It's gonna be so fun. And then like closer I got, the more scared I got. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not really sure I'm ready to do this yet. Yeah. Um, you had to take baby step. I'm yeah. here. I'm queer. Get used but to don't it. Tell. 
<laughs> yeah, actually, don't tell anybody, especially your mom. <laughs> so once I moved to IU, so I basically had two straight roommates in college. And, you know, I will say I was having, I had a lot of fun, you know, when I moved IU because it's kind of a party school. So like we had a lot of fun. My roommate in college was one of my best friends. He still is one of my best friends. And he is like, he just reminds me of like people that I grew up with. So I could relate to him, but you know, I always had this thing where I was like, I still wasn't out. So it was like, I was like living this double life, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was kind of hard. Mm -hmm. You're only sharing a part of you. Yeah. So a lot of shit happened like with this situation because basically my roommate's girlfriend. So I didn't come out until like, I think it was spring of 2007 or 2008, spring of 2008. Mm -hmm. And basically though, once I started living with my straight roommate, his girlfriend, I guess got on my computer one day when I wasn't there and she found basically like porn on my computer, gay porn. Uh And so she found it, but she never told me about it. Instead, like she kind of like told other people (laughs) about it. What a bitch. Yeah. Fuck her. And so I think a lot of what happened is like, there was a lot of talk. I don't know for sure who told what, and you know how shit just gets spread around. Mm. So, so there was that the girl next door. So our next door neighbor, we were having a party one night and we were drinking and she like shoved me into my room and like started to like make out with me. Oh my gosh. And I set, like, I kind of was just like, was like, whoa, like backed off. And I, and I was basically like, I can't do this because I'm gay. And then she like started like bawling her eyes out. Yikes. <laughs> so that happened. Uh, that's so terrible. This always happens. <laughs> and then I was like, you can't tell anyone. <laughs> no. Uh, tell them I got you pregnant. I don't care what you tell. <laughs> um. So that also happened. <laughs> My goodness. So I guess just like fast forward, basically. So basically I was just... I think a lot of times when I was in college, like I was just, I was drinking more than what I probably should have, just kind of hiding the emotions. You're self-medicating. Before, when I was like in high school, I was saying like I kind of removed myself from the situation. This time I was like in the situation. So I think I, in order to avoid like the, the fact that I was, um, you know, different, like I would kind of drink more maybe. So... I guess fast forward to like basically spring of 2008. Okay. So the part where I actually come out. So we had planned a spring break trip to Palm. uh, What is it? Panama City Beach. Oh, Florida. And so it was me, my straight roommate. And then actually it was like three or four other good friends in which you know one of well, you know basically all of them. So it was like Brad, Todd, and... Okay. I wasn't sure if you were trying to protect their anon- anonymity. It was the guy. I won't use their full names, but it was basically that friend group. Yeah. So at that point, I think everybody had already discussed like me being gay, but it was just never like brought up to me. <laughs> um, so we get down to Panama City, and we had been maybe drinking like one or two nights, you know, going out and stuff. And then one of the nights... I remember me and my roommate Brandon and Brad and we were like setting like in a booth somewhere and Brandon just asked me 
my roommate Brandon asked me, he was like, are you gay? And like, it was the first time besides, well, actually it was the first time anybody just straight up asked me if I was gay. Yeah. Like, be- so it was almost like a relief to me because I didn't have to like lie about it anymore or hide it. You just needed yeah. somebody to push you over I, the edge. Right. So I was like, yes, I am. And then I like started to cry. It was like very emotional moment. <laughs> um, but he was like, him and Brad were both like super supportive. Like it just made me like instantly like this whole like weight off my shoulders went away. But it was kind of crazy because we were in Panama City. So you're like, okay, well now <laughs> I don't know what's going on because and like all the other guys, they were like, oh, it's fine. Like, you know, we still, you know, accept you and all that. <laughs> and I remember like all of them were super supportive. I remember Brad being like very supportive Um, And we had like a lot of long conversations, just me and him, which I really appreciated. Brad's cool. Um, So, and I still like really appreciate that to this day because I think it just, I was like struggling with it. I think it was just the way that I grew up and how I kind of internalized things. So I, I just felt like so trapped. Yeah. So that's kind of like my first like coming out to like, I mean, I'd come out to that girl but it was like more just like, don't tell anyone. Yeah. So right. After, after that point, then I started just like being more like open about it in my friend groups. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is still really, it's like, these are great people he's talking about. But, you know, when you rewind back in those moments, you nobody knows how to really approach or handle something like that. Right. So it's like you're just tiptoeing kind of just trying to figure it out together. So <laughs> I'm sure it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting. So after we got back from Panama City, that's when I actually came out to Nick. And I remember Nick was like, like basically one of my best friends at that point and still is. And I remember being like terrified to tell him. And so basically he was going to come up like the following weekend to like come hang out. And so like, I knew that I had to tell him because all my friends knew. So I basically called him (laughs) freaking out and and he thought I was joking actually. Wow. (laughs) Nick, Good job. No, just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. I, I told him on the phone and he was like, you're joking. He's like, that's funny or something. And I was like, I'm not kidding. Um, (laughs) so that was awkward, but he like (laughs) was super accepting of it and has been very accepting of it, obviously. Yeah. He just went to his first pride, didn't he? With you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Queen check the gram. You'll see a fun clip of him. Yeah. So that was like, I don't know. It was all really good basically from that. I will say the hardest part after coming out, at least with the friends and stuff, was, I guess, two things. One, I did have a roommate, a straight roommate that, besides Brandon, the one that was at Panama City, Mm -hmm. the other roommate was kind of a jerk. And I say kind of, but I should probably just say was a jerk. Um, (laughs) Full-fledged. Because he would when i got back he basically we would have very heated conversations where he basically would say faggot constantly he basically said that being gay wasn't right and that basically it shouldn't be allowed or something like that and i would like debate him on all of these topics i actually got in a fight with him at nick's and i 
I have never like been so angry where I thought I was going to like bash someone's head in. Wow. Like I was like screaming at him at the top of the stairwell at Nick's. Because... This guy was really good at pushing buttons. Mm-hmm. Like he knew he was an but, asshole. But I mean, he would do things like, thing is we were like sort of friends, but then like we would be doing stuff together and he would like call me like a faggot or something. And then it was like, okay, well, and then that would just like trigger me, obviously. Yeah, of course. Um, I would have put my best cast iron across the back of his head. Yeah. So, and he was doing a lot of the things where I, looking back now, I'm like, why did I ever even entertain him in any way? Because he would ask questions about like sexual things and it's none of your damn business what like I'm into or what I want to do or, you know, what I've done because that's not what, like, that's the sexual part of me. I'm talking about being gay. Like I'm not telling you my like, sex life you know oh. what i mean so he was in the closet well, yeah that's what it seems like to he me he might have been i mean he was very like um set in his ways you know he he came from his family was um i don't want to like say this wrong but his family is from india so like it was very like culturally it's like being gay is like the biggest sin ever Southeast right East asian um so i think that was like a big part of it but yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll say that all my like other people in the friend group, they were all like basically on my side in the situation. And they basically were just, you know, they would stick up for me when in those situations when he was acting like that. So, well, here's his karma since India, it's now, you know, they can have prides and get married over in India now. So take that yeah. asshole. Well, and I never thought he was like a, bad person like i always was just like i think he's just people just aren't informed they're afraid of what they don't know and it's easier to lash out and i'm gonna make you feel uncomfortable so you don't make me feel uncomfortable yeah and if he is actually gay and was in the closet i hope he found a way to feel like comfortable with himself especially now that it is like more acceptable in india yeah yeah, I mean, I don't really know. I, I haven't talked to him in a couple years, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. Oh, so the other thing, just real quick, is that one thing that I've like I've struggled with was so different groups of friends after I came out. I felt like, you know, I had one friend that after I came out, I kind of, we had like a long conversation one night and he was like basically saying that he felt blindsided by it and felt that I wasn't being truthful, which really bothered me for the longest time because Mm -hmm. it was almost like the sense of like, I felt like I was in the wrong, but it was like, you're a burden to him, a burden or I was just not a genuine friend. And it was like, I felt like I lost that friendship because I was trying to fit in so hard, but then I came out and then they were just like, well, you weren't being like your honest self. So like, you're not really friends with us type situation. Wow. And I just, I felt so like, I don't know. I, I, I felt guilty myself almost like it was my fault that I should have not done what I did. But then I, I just always go back and I think, you know, like nobody knows what a gay person has to go through and to get to where they're at. So, you know, I forgive like 
him for feeling that way. And I forgive myself for being that way, but I, it's just hard. That's a hard thing to reconcile sometimes, you know, like the fact that when you were going through phases of your life, you weren't always yourself. And then sometimes I get that sense of guilt where it was like, I don't feel like I was being honest. And see, the thing about it is you spent so much time being made to feel that you aren't normal or it's not right. So that's why you feel that way. Like how dare people try to make it about themselves when somebody is sharing that kind of moment. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you but spent, it's hard in the moment. Yeah. I mean, you spent the whole like, you know, mo- you know, all the way up through most of college kind of hiding who you were and, you know, as a gay person, one of the things that you get to do is decide when you're coming out and how you want to come out to people. So for the other friend to be like oh well you lied and you're being deceptive that was kind of like really selfish yeah super selfish inhumane yeah it's like um excuse you sir like be happy i told you like at all right because there's your cue to leave my circle for real (laughs) yeah it's like i understand that too and as time has went on i've understood that it's just it's one of those things that it takes a while to like get there because you most definitely because there's just so much when you come out there's for me anyway there was just a lot of like sense of guilt for myself like not being like myself but it was kind of just a product of the environment i grew Mm -hmm. up in really yeah for Um, sure wow so basically to wrap this up so basically i had come out to all my friends at that point but not to my family yet so i kind of just like left that separate So then, so that was like 2008. So I graduated in 2008 from IU and basically started working um, full time. So it took me basically three or I guess two years after that because I graduated in like December 2008. So it's around August of 2011, I think, because that's when I came out to my mom and dad and I did it over the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. A little bit of safety there. Yeah, it was like surprisingly fine, which my parents aren't like religious. So I really wasn't like concerned with that aspect of it. But I basically was just like, I just wanted to tell you something. I'm gay. And I just remember my mom being like, like, she was just like, Oh, don't worry. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And she like said it like five times was just like, <laughs> I think you're worried about it. <laughs> Seems like you're worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> um. And it was like kind of a short conversation. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, got to go. Bye. (laughs) All right, mom. Got to go suck some dick. BRB. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My booty calls here. (laughs) I live in a gay hostel now. (laughs) Um, Did you ever see the YMCA music video? It's a lot like that, mom. (laughs) I've got to go check my manhunt inbox. (laughs) And then so... My brother, I never actually told my brother to his face or even over the phone. I actually called my brother's wife and I told her. Oh, okay. (laughs) And then I was just like, you know, I'm going to let her kind of tell the message if she wants. I don't know. If my brother, it's not that we don't have a close, it's not that I dislike him or we're just not close. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact the high school years kind of just made me not be so open 
Well, I mean, he went into your room and was like, oh, well, you know, all gays are going to hell, right? So it's like totally understandable that like later in life when you're like more open, you're like, well, he's not religious, but he was saying this and it kind of like traumatized me. So you're like, it kind of lingers probably that like mm-hmm. worry think- of how I'll take it. That barrier is still there. Yeah, I think that's the problem. And I don't like hold like resentment or I'm not mad at him about it. But it's it's one of those things I don't feel like comfortable always like talking about being gay or like things in front of him because it's just I don't know. Like you said, it's just one of those things in the back of my mind always, I think. So, yeah. So I guess that was kind of my story for like coming out. I guess the if I had to say one thing is as time has went on, like I've became more comfortable being out. And I think kind of like two things on that. One is I think, you know, the last probably eight years or so, eight to 10 years maybe have been like, it's been more like accepting. I feel like being gay and out. So I think that has helped a lot. Like the fact that like the president, like President Obama came out in support of gay marriage, you know, gay marriage was legal or became legal. And just the fact that it's more mainstream, I think that has helped a lot. And then two, I think even if you do come out or when you come out, you're never really done coming out. Anytime I start a new job, I always feel like it's super awkward relating to people sometimes like, you know, just if you're with the straight bros or whatever, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, me and my husband are doing this. It's like sometimes you get like these side eyes and you don't really know if they're side eyes, but like it's just <laughs> <laughs> that innate like scared, like, will they accept me is like, oh God. <laughs> you're looking for the shade. Yeah. And I think that's part like, I think part of it's like, I always have a little bit of a guard up just because of where I came from. And sometimes that's just hard to shake for me is like, I think uh, over as time continues to go on, that'll get easier, but it's still there a little bit. And like for me too, just the profession I'm in, like I'm a CPA and it's like, like accounting people are just can be very rigid and it's kind of like, you know, business people are just kind of like, it's a different world, right? So you don't really have a lot of creatives. So it's kind of like, you know, all the bros love to go golfing and do all these things. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to podcast about drag race now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to my podcast. <laughs> We're recording brunch this weekend. Yeah. So <laughs> I think they're like queer. Sometimes that's hard. They for- <laughs> <laughs> punch you in the face and run away. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard, like that aspect of it, because it's like, you know, I always don't, I don't always feel like I fit in with the group, but I think that's just a part of being gay, right? Like you're not never going to fit in with the mainstream. Um, but that's the way you got to create your own mainstream. So that's right. Yeah. You got to kind of create your own little groups. You know, that is one of the, uh, advantages of being gay is you get to choose your own family, you know, from Stoney's story, like obviously his parents are still supportive of him. So luckily he has that, but not all gay people get to have a happy ending. So, so yeah, so like sort of, uh, you know, even if we're not creating our own family, we sort of can create our own support group. Yeah, exactly. Your own circle. Yeah. So I don't know. That's, that's the coming out story. So that's it. I'm gay. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, no, shut the fuck up about it already. Yes, queen. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. That was, I had heard some of this before, obviously, since we're married, but there are some parts I had not heard. So that was very nice to hear. And I'm so glad that you were one of the lucky ones as far as your story goes overall. But we all have our darkness we go through. Yeah, I'm sure For you'll sure. hear about that in the next couple installments of uh, coming out stories. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't want to assume, but maybe Stoney's was like the happiest story. No, we'll see. And see, we don't want to like weigh like whose was. I guess we can in the end. But, you know, everybody's no, story is going to be different. But he- there is one thing, listeners. At least, you know why Stoney is as shady as he is because he's just letting it all out still. Yeah. Because yeah. bitch, when you've been shaded, you become the shady one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Cameron Michaels of the group, girl. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, thanks for feeling so comfortable to share with me and Jamal. But, also, you, know, you know, whoever happens to stumble upon this podcast, you know, you never know. Maybe some kid in southern Indiana will stumble upon it and be able to relate and know that it'll get better for them yeah actually a really quick note so a long time friend of mine i'm not going to give too many too many details because it's super new but she actually um came out to me over the past week i'd say and i thought that was really cool because i kind of gave her a heads up that we were gonna be doing these episodes and she's looking forward to them so sending you lots of love and support i feel like you'll be fine but we've got you here at tfc pod girl yes queen yes yes go big go west go west (laughs) (laughs) oh i forgot be kind fitting yeah should we try that again (laughs) I'll save that for my coming out story. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You did go west. I did. <laughs> Quite literally. All right. Well, thanks for sharing with us, Stony. But of course, you know, this couldn't be a thanks for coming podcast without some trade. So let's talk about trade. Mmm. Trade. <laughs> trade. Mmm. Trade. Oh, trade. All right, you guys, thanks for coming back. We are back here with some trade for you guys. And because this is Stoney's coming out video or podcast or because Ooh, this is Stoney's dating video. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus content. Call in to press 42397 and you can connect with him. <laughs> Uh, but yeah because this is stoney's coming out podcast i thought it would be a fun idea if instead of a normal trade if we would have stoney tell us his trade based on someone he thought was really popping and sexy back when he was first discovering his sexuality Ooh, tea yes so i had to go back into the archives for this one girl (laughs) yeah blow the dust off (laughs) get that microfiche out girl (laughs) so as you know in high school i was obsessed with reality tv yes the original social media queen yes so one of my obsessions was the show the real world oh yes that was a good one Oh my gosh, what season? And this was back in the day when the episodes were 30 minutes and everyone wasn't (laughs) just getting wasted 
<laughs> yeah, this was before like, you could pile drive someone through the wall and still not get kicked <laughs> off the show. <laughs> like an episode of the real world back then was sitting around the living room and like talking about your issues. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it was so intriguing. I've seen every season. Yep. So my trade comes from one of the best seasons ever, Real World, New Orleans. <gasps> Ooh. The first run? The first one. That second one was trash. It doesn't exist. <laughs> um, so who was it? It was Danny Roberts. Ooh, I remember Danny. He was super cute. And it was also like back then, like seeing a gay person on the TV that was out was just like, oh my God, like mm-hmm. I want to be this person. It's kind yeah. of like a superhero. I want to yeah. be the angsty one wearing long sweaters, flowy sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, he was su- <laughs> he was really hot though. And he had a boyfriend that was in the military he had a hot body, but you couldn't see his face because of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Yeah, right. they kept his face blurred out, and they didn't they disguise his voice, too? Yes. Didn't he visit the house, too, and they had his like face blurred out the whole time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I That's remember that. That's why he said he had a hot body. <laughs> it's like not trying to be shallow here, but like, I don't know. Which, that was like a big deal back then because it, like, I think um, they actually helped um, get rid of Don't Ask, Don't Tell because of that because people were like speaking out against it and that awareness was grown and that show was like really huge at the time like mm-hmm. it was on the cover of magazines and shit so oh, yeah everybody was always looking forward to real world yeah girl wow good trade pick girl that is a good one yeah i love that season yeah now i feel like the like oldest poodle of all time I'm like put in your vhs girl <laughs> whatever (laughs) they need to drop those episodes we always get so pissed because we can't find old episodes to watch i know i don't understand why mtv is so hateful like that because i want to rewatch boston (laughs) yeah girl there's a lot of seasons that i would like to rewatch san francisco now they're like skeletons Mm. girl (laughs) girl (laughs) oh yeah one of our listeners ornacia hooked up with a real world person oh shit Girl, I got all the tea. The well, I'm not out in <laughs> nobody, but I'll tell you once this is over. Ooh. <laughs> I'm excited. Drama, tea. Girl, you know I got all the tea, so. Uh, I need to make sure I don't burn my tongue on this tea. It's scolding hot. I'm excited. I need to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, you guys. That is the first installment of our coming out series. You know, you'll still have a couple episodes to look forward to with me and then Jamal. My and- turn. <laughs> so uh, maybe Reynolds. You never know what'll happen. So. Oh my god. <laughs> but um you know he's a sassy queen don't even joke yeah we know (laughs) but um yeah so that's the first of our series uh so you never know when we'll drop another one they're not going to be in order but we will uh you know keep providing with awesome gay content so keep subscribed for that tell your friends we're not talking about rupaul's drag race but we will in the future and please listen to our podcast still (laughs) 
<laughs> and don't forget to rate and subscribe and review us. Remember, if you give us a review, we will read it on the show. Yes. But yeah, get into the off-season content. We have a lot of fun with it. Um, we will be covering drag to a degree, but you have to tune in to figure out how we're going to be doing that. Yeah, it's a surprise, girl. Yes. Yes. All right, yes. you guys. Well, I hope you guys all have a lovely week. And until next time... Bye. Bye.